Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast, and I am Vicki Nettling, your host, and I'm coming in to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to grow as a confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I have Kirk McCarley on as my guest, and let me tell you a little bit about Kirk. With more than 30 years of executive leadership experience in both public and private sector environments, the Seed Sower Coach has a solid reputation for fostering individual growth and development beyond the client's expectations. Enthusiastic, while also contemplative, determined yet relaxed. His passion as a coach is to help clients celebrate self-confidence and achieve full God-given potential. A graduate of the University of North Texas, Kirk is a certified and accredited professional coach as well as a professional in human resources and SHRM, so that's S-H-R-M-C-P certified. He's an HR guy. <laughs> he is also a production assistant for both college football and basketball for ESPN and leads group cycling classes as a certified spinning instructor. Kirk has been married to his wife, Cindy, for over 43 years. I just hit 44 this year and has two children and six grandchildren. Great. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I only have two and I don't think I'm getting any more. Uh-oh. <laughs> the McCarleys make their home in Florida with rescue dog Ivy. And our topic for today is going to be career and life coaching. Please join me in welcoming my host, my guest, Kirk McCarley. Hello, Kirk. Hi, Vicki, and thanks for having me. You're welcome. So you gave a hint. You, I always ask where you live, and you, in your bio, tell me that you live in Florida. But what about what parts of Florida? Close to that happiest place on earth? We're in Northwest Florida, and we're equidistant from Destin and Panama City Beach, oh. little stretch of road called 30A, and yes. we're about, we're at mile marker four. Oh, I love 30A. I'm always looking for somebody who has a place there. <laughs> Come on down. wonderful, wonderful place. Uh, my, my niece got married there, too. She had Atlanta, her wedding on the beach. Atlanta makes their presence known here. Yes, yes, we we do um, bombard you with spring break, summertime. <laughs> but it's so lovely. It's just a really nice place. I, I used to go to Destin and Panama City, and now 30A is one of my favorite places. We're very fortunate to have the chance to live here as long as there's not a hurricane. I know, I know. Well, <laughs> that is true. 
All right. So please tell us your story of how you and how you entered each of these very different and diverse environments that you now um, spread your genius. Well, thank you again for that very warm introduction. I like to start by saying I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather, and then I have three or more unique occupations that define who I am. I was an HR professional, as you mentioned, human resources for most of my working career. Did some detours along the way into economic development mm. and public information and uh, a little bit of housing along the way. And this was about 10 years ago, Vicki. I was at a point where I wanted to transition. Mm -hmm. I don't say retire from what I had yeah. been doing. And I had a pretty good career in HR. And so what am I going to do next? I considered several different things, but, you know, I've heard some people say they were well served by a coach. And so I engaged in a relationship with a coach myself at that point in time. We had about three meetings, and in that fourth meeting, there was a almost a come-to-Jesus uh, moment for me where I pointed my finger, looked him in the eye, and said, I want to do what you do. Mm. And hence, that journey was launched. Uh, I had to go back, get a little bit of education, and learn that what I had been doing in HR that I would maybe call coaching wasn't in actuality coaching. <laughs> It was maybe more advice giving or mentoring, if you will. So right. I, I learned that uh, in 2016, after transitioning out of what I had been doing, I launched the coaching business. And uh, as many businesses are, when you first get it going, uh, there are some slow years mm -hmm. and wrote some blogs and started writing at that point in time and marketing, which I... Absolutely disdain selling, uh, but you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So I did that. In 2020, this uh, little pandemic called COVID <laughs> occurred. Yeah. And for me, it was kind of what really launched my business. Uh, so many people I found were looking for answers. What do we do? How do we redevelop ourselves, yeah. reorient ourselves? How does that impact the way I lead? I'm overseeing these people that don't physically come into the work environment anymore. How to oversee what they're doing. Yeah. So some reframing, resetting, refocusing took place. But that is when the business launched. Uh, I'm primarily focused on career and development of career and leadership within that. But inevitably, life issues always intersect. Yeah, sure. How do I manage my relationships? How do I get along better with people, spirituality, health, finances, areas such as that? So that is the coaching side of things. Mm -hmm. And I've got a couple of other things to talk more on, but I'd be glad to entertain any questions you have about that facet of what it is I do. Yeah, and you did mention that the COVID and and to me it's like the great awakening where people who were putting up with things or really didn't realize that their lives were just spiraling or you're on that hamster wheel and going fast but getting nowhere suddenly had time to think 
and realize there should be something different. And so how as a coach, do you help them kind of navigate the waters to see, you know, not everybody is prepared to be at home all day long working and uh, they do need that in the office and that situation. So how do, how do you navigate them through this kind of murky water to, to figure out what's best for them? Well, first of all, what's your level of satisfaction with where you're positioned now? Rank that for me on a one to 10 scale, if you will. And they'll come up with a six or a seven or a three or somewhere on that continuum. Let's say we were going to bump that up a couple of points. If you're a three, how do you become a five? What's going to be necessary to do that? Mm -hmm. So beginning at a starting place there is one example. Another question I often ask is, what have you always dreamed of doing? And how is there an opportunity for you to do that now? What would it take? What would you need to do? What are your particular gifts and talents that you can apply that are unique and distinctive for you? So we start there from a premise of where do we go next? And then I'll often enter into as you visualize your day in this new reality that we're in post-COVID world, what do you see? Uh, what does it feel like? What does that sound like to you? And we also build that into the equation. So my coaching is very client driven and they set the agenda. The appeal of having a coach is here's someone who's not a family member who wants you to do the best for you mm -hmm. and not necessarily what a friend or a family member may want for you. So the discipline is refraining from giving the proverbial advice, so to speak. And you know, that's a real important point. A, a lot of times your dreams are, are kind of squashed down because of that fear of the unknown. And you may want to, you may have pictured in your mind what you would love to do, but you also know you have to feed your family and pay the bills and as you said, as we start out, the money's not coming rapidly to us. So how do you, what kind of plan do you have to have in place to really start? Adaptability enters into it. I, Vicki, as a kid, I wanted to play in the NBA. And early on, uh, I learned that wasn't going to happen. Mm. But what can I do? that has a connection to that. And there comes the ESPN component yeah. of it into the equation is I get to go do games, weekends, weekdays in football, basketball, baseball, softball. And so I have accessibility and I feel a part of that and get to participate in the stories, learn the heroes, learn the villains. And it just becomes a fascinating setting, setting yeah. to have that accessibility. So for others, what might be your nirvana, your dream, and what lays on the perimeter mm -hmm. of you achieving that? Right. And so we start from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always wanted to work for ESPN 
well, maybe there's not a possibility there. What about some of the many other networks that exist, Fox, CBS, or some of the upstarts on the web? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're so plentiful these days that opportunity exists or have a podcast show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, um, always way back in my mind as I watched all right, I'm really dating myself and a lot of people won't know this person, but Mike Douglas or Phil Donahue and then Oprah, obviously. I thought it's so cool to learn about people and in that casual setting of just having conversations with them. And so whenever the pandemic hit and I started calling people that I knew were all alone to just have conversations, I heard such interesting cool stories and so uh, this this podcast was just to try to help connect people who are in business entrepreneurs especially women entrepreneurs but my next one that I'm going to start next year is just going going to be it's just a conversation with Vicky and it's just going to be interviewing people that have cool stories people that don't even realize that their stories are cool until you start peeling that onion and thinking, oh my God, listen to what you've done. It's awesome. So you're going to, you're going to have your own Mike Douglas show. Yeah, that's right. So my point, I guess, is that, that I never dreamed that I would be able to do that because you thought, well, Mike Douglas or Oprah has to be part of a station and, you know, be one of millions of people to, to interview for that. Or no, you could just start your own dang podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And if they want to listen to you, they do. If they don't, they don't. But try to make it interesting so they will. There you go. Well, good luck on those conversations. I know. I can't wait. I already have several people lined up to start. So it's going to be really fun. And I'd love to have athletes um, on them too. So I I might be tapping on your door to say, hey, do you know any? (laughs) So if we can get back to um, what have you learned about yourself through your coaching? Cause that's always, always something that happens. <laughs> it does. One of the biggest lessons is how to coach myself. Yeah. And uh, in, in the past, there was a tendency to brood, get into a bad mood about things. Mm. Uh, pout. And now I'm more prone to step back, have a little bit more patience with myself and examine. Why are you responding in this Mm. manner? What needs to happen to react in a more positive way? What is an alternative approach to dealing with this situation or this Mm. problem that you're facing now? I also utilize physical activity as a cathartic technique Mm. as opposed to in the past, it was solely for physical health. It's mental health now. I go ride the bike uh, for miles and miles and miles and think of responses, think of clients that I'm going to be working with. And oftentimes I blog a lot. What's my next story going to be about? And Mm. I write it in my mind as I'm churning out the miles. So those have been the biggest things that I've learned from that. The blessing as well of what I get to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. If I weren't coaching, 
we wouldn't be interacting. I wouldn't get to meet Vicki or some of the other number of many clients that I've worked with, heard their stories and become so curious and fascinated with, wait a second, you're saying what? You did that? Yeah. I want to know more about that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's interesting that even as you get into situations outside the podcast too, as you're just chatting with people, always in my mind, as they start to tell these little stories, it's okay, wait, that's something that I think people would be interested in. And it always does amaze me how people just, don't think that their story is interesting or that anybody cares. And it's surprising that we um, have these backgrounds of our parents or our parents' parents that make our stories really something to hear. What becomes interesting is the degree of uninteresting that they label their stories Mm -hmm. and just the humility that yeah, they approach yeah, it with. Yeah, once sure. I encountered, once I encountered so and so, so wait, wait a minute, you encountered who? What were they <laughs> oh. like? What did they say? <laughs> That's so true. The next thing I think is really important, as you were talking about how on your your bike or walks or whatever, you get to be reflective, and and I I agree that whenever I have a problem or issue, uh, that's the the cleanest my house ever gets <laughs> because. <laughs> I I find that doing mindless work like that allows me then to go deeper and think. But I also find that um, that my faith has really deepened in these last 10 years as I've gotten older. So talk about um, the role that faith plays in what you do as a coach. This business that I'm involved in is a ministry. Uh, it's nice to, uh, have some residual income coming in, but the far greater benefit to me is striking the goal, gold of seeing somebody's life changed mm-hmm. or they're taking an additional step up. And that's a blessing mm-hmm. that God has given me as a Christ follower to be in a position to witness that. And it's maybe partly me asking the right questions and not leading them, but listening to them well. But the metamorphosis or the change that takes place, uh, I just praise God mm-hmm. when I have those opportunities, those moments that come up. And it's just so, so rewarding. Yeah, I often find that, you know, as I'm getting talking with someone, chatting with someone, the you know, I just, I allow myself to be very vulnerable whenever I'm meeting people. I just really and truly am interested in what they um, are all about. And so they will tell me things. And after I just recently had a conversation with a person, he's like, I have never told anyone that. And, and it's just, that just gives me such joy that they would trust me enough to divulge information about themselves that they didn't feel comfortable telling anyone all these years. And this is a particularly older person. And uh, that's what, that's what I seek is like, this is a safe environment, you know, as a coach, I want you to know that we're here 
to help you and um and and that's number one so many in intimate things mm -hmm. are shared and the high responsibility mm -hmm. is keeping that uh sacred and confidential mm -hmm. when someone shares that yeah for sure so you talked a little bit about your role as an HR person and how you thought you were coaching people, but you were just advising them or sharing your opinion, maybe. Uh, what's the difference between coaching and counseling? We all share in the behavioral arts, I guess I'll call that, a commonality we want our person that we're working with, people we're working with to get to a better place. Yeah. And I've had the opportunity to deal with behavioral counselors in my life when I've hit rough patches and they've been quite helpful. We examine what's gotten you to this point. What are the family of origin issues that mm -hmm. uh, you dealt with things from your childhood that uh, you, you, left an impression on you, good or bad. Coaching distinguishes itself from that in that it's future-oriented. Mm -hmm. And as I like to say, the reason Wayne Gretzky was so good in hockey, he intuitively knew where that puck was going to be, mm -hmm. and he skated there. Mm -hmm. And I think we all have that intuition inside of us to get to where our puck is going to be. It's just a matter of having that ice mm. in the kind of setting we need it to be, that Zamboni machine of life to have smoothed that out for us to skate there and get to that point. Yeah. So yeah. future-oriented, where do you want to be as opposed to what's gotten you to this point? And all those professions, coaching, therapists, counselors, psychiatrists, and psychologists all play an important role but that's the distinction to me of coaching versus some of the others. Right. So how do each of these distinct different activities you do complement one another? My role with ESPN, I'm a production assistant, but specifically what I do is I provide statistical information to our talent, our play-by-play -play broadcaster, color analyst, sometimes sideline reporter. And so utilizing coaching, I'm listening in on the conversations. What are they saying at this point? What can I give them data-wise that's going to enrich this conversation? Mm -hmm. It's like we're sitting in a living room at home and I'm the silent partner. I'm just hearing what these folks have to say. Hundreds of other people have joined that conversation. They're listening in. How can I enrich this? Give them a piece of data at this point in time that's going to bring that about. So it requires um, listening, the audio portion of it, kinesthetic uh needs what am i getting from their body language because yeah. i see that out of the side of my uh, out of the side of my head how they're reacting what the moment is feeling like at that point and of course the visual i'm watching the court i'm watching the field seeing what happens how is the crowd responding and metaphorically what can i provide to them at that point in time so that's how 
what I do in sports ties in with coaching. Mm-hmm. Being a spinning instructor is coaching people on the motion on their bike, encouraging them. I was going to say motivating. <laughs> go, go. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Vicky, I get paid money to yell at people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I get paid to work out, but a lot of the same techniques used in coaching are pointed out there. First of all, we're encouraging. uh, I see somebody who's never been on a spin bike before and maybe they're overweight. It's time that they want to get into shape to be positive, encouraging, you're doing great. Your cadence is good. Your rhythm is good. I can see that visualize now that Mm -hmm. you're climbing this hill of maybe a seven, eight, 9% grade. What are you feeling now as you're doing that? What are you seeing trees? Are you seeing forests, brooks, mountains? What does that look like? Where do you want to be? So the same techniques used in coaching are applied in that kind of coaching. Yeah. I'm sure the mindset piece. So what do other people um, at home, either watching or listening to this, um, to, if they're going to a sporting event, maybe if, if they're um, observing it from the local pub or whatnot, um, what do they do? What don't they know that's going on in the background during uh, the production of that event sometimes chaos i I was gonna say (laughs) the uh unpredictability of what's taking place how hard it is and i speak selfishly for a statistician person to work in a setting that's extremely fast-paced like a no huddle offense for instance where you have no break and you have to come up with data instantaneously. The amount of preparation that goes into an event, particularly for talent, there are reams of information that are supplied to us and that we have access to that we can study up on prior to the game and know that if a certain running back gets 17 yards at some point, he's going to move into fourth place on the all-time list. So we have prepared ourselves for that. The degree of preparation that goes into place of telling the story, but telling it responsibly. Sometimes loose lips have sunk ships, Mm. but you need to tell the story and tell it in an honest way. Mm -hmm. And so how you gift yourself with being able to recognize this needs to be said at this point in time, but it needs to be said in this manner, Mm -hmm. as opposed to another manner, which would be more alienating. So the broadcasters I've worked with in particular, these are smart men and women that do that. And they know their sports, they've studied up on them. Many of them have played before. So when they get criticized of you should have done this and you should have done that, they're not foolproof mm-hmm. and they do make mistakes, but uh, the, the the number of things that they do successfully far outweighs that. Right. Uh, these are impressive individuals. Right. As you were talking about all those reams and reams of paper, notes, data, information, I thought, oh, there's got to be some way that you can start to dump all that in an AI app and get answers in seconds. (laughs) 
uh, I, I could just see a whole new uh, thing to make you um, have your job a little bit easier, but um, you still John have to Madden, use that. John Madden is rolling in his grave. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he could have done a game on it. Oh, my goodness. So it is time now for us to move to the rapid fire questions. I have three. We'll see if we have time for all of them. So you talked about the fact that you became a spinning instructor. Was it for health reasons or are you just a mad cyclist um, or you just like yelling at people? <laughs> yes. And, and there was Bob who was 20 years my senior that said, Eric, you and I ought to become instructors. And when your senior throws down the gauntlet like that, you <laughs> respond, Bob now is 92 and still leads spinning classes. No way. Uh, see, that's a person I would want to have on my on my podcast. <laughs> He's who I want to be when I grow I up. I know, my goodness. But that just shows, you know, it's all about the health. So tell us about your personal health episode with regard to working out. This was on a uh, Friday afternoon. I'm preparing to go work a football game the following day. And I'm doing some lateral pull downs after having done some cardio. And all of a sudden the world went black. And where am I? And the next thing I knew, I had an oxygen mask on. Mm. Paramedics were rendering aid. What's your name? What's your date of birth? They wheeled me out of the gym much to the amazement of a lot of other people who are looking at that and saying, what's going on? Yeah. So uh, I, I was miffed because I was going to miss my game that weekend, <laughs> but there were, there were big area issues at stake. It was on a weekend, so there wasn't anybody to do testing other than you need to stay here, son, for a while. Uh, Monday, uh, they shot the die in me, and uh, we're going to fillet you uh, a few times. So I had bypass surgery yeah. on the Tuesday after. My wife was down here working in Florida at the time. She came up. Uh, she said that was particularly agonizing experience for her, and I, mm -hmm. I get that. So uh, I had a triple bypass. Uh, a week later, I was walking a couple of miles a day, and the nurses were saying, that's too much. And I was, I feel okay, I'm going to do it. The point of it was mm -hmm. I could see myself going down a rabbit hole by getting very depressed about where I was. But instead, I'm going to get better than yeah. I was before. Yeah. And that's what I endeavored to do. I was back in the gym five weeks post-op and teaching spinning classes again seven weeks after that. Wow, yeah, for you. <laughs> and it was a... Uh, a, a true moment in time that looking back on it now becomes a blessing because that's when I resolved this was in 14. Okay, son, it's time to get serious about what you're going to do next. Mm. You've gotten a second shot at this. Mm. And that is what really got the coaching um, idea launched and off the ground after I had said to my coach, I want to do what you want to do. Mm. That initiated the process for me. And it's been real helpful, particularly with people who have had health episodes mm -hmm. to say, you have the chance if you want to bad enough to recover and get back to better than yeah. you were before. 
Yeah, and that's a, a really good story because a lot of people, when some life event like that happens, they think, oh, this is it, you know, and and really that mindset is, a, a, it's either a way to open a door to better things or close the door to any possibilities of a better life. That it is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm cycling even more now. <laughs> I've done is your 16... wife cycling with you? I cycle across Georgia. You're Georgia every yes, year, and I just yes. did it uh, last month. And I pay good money to camp out every night after I've done that. And my wife said, it just does not sound very pleasurable to me. And I said, <laughs> well, you got to have the right mindset. Yeah, I know somebody that just did a bike ride in Europe. They went through three countries, I think. And um, they had electric bikes, so a little help there. But still, what a way to get some exercise and see the world or see the states. Sounds and good. And the, obs the obscurity that we don't see from mm -hmm. the freeway and mm -hmm. going into these towns. And uh, Brazelton, I had no idea that Kim uh, Basinger had such yeah, influence yes. on that community as she did. Yes. So yes. you learn these little factoids along the way. Yeah. I saw um, Bermuda on bike. I, it's not a huge country or whatever, but still it was, that was my first experience on electric bikes in going around Bermuda. But as you said, I mean, I went in places that if I hadn't done that, I would have never seen them mm -hmm. experience that. And the, um, what other activities have you um, on your roster to do besides those three that you talked about? Well, I accomplished one of them uh, just this past month. My wife and I visited our 50th state, so we've set foot in all of them. So mm. that was a bucket lister. We're going to Israel next March. We've never oh, wow. been that, there before. And so it's really opened up to these travel adventures that exist. Uh, a challenge that I've thrown before myself, if you go to my website, I've got a lot of blogs that are there mm -hmm. and they're from bike rides and walking the dog and observations, all different kinds of walks in, in life. And I need to do something with these. So mm -hmm. a book idea is on the agenda as awesome, well. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Um, I can connect you with some uh, great people to do that if you're ready. Please there's, do. There's one um, especially I have in mind that I think you would be awesome to connect with. Thank you. I would appreciate that. Awesome. I'm very good. Very good. Yes. It, it's, um, it's one of those things that you think someday you'll do it. And then some days gone by, but uh, I just find that you just sit down and do it. And if you've got all those blogs, you've got such a great start. It's putting them together in some kind of a congruent format that it's got a flow and a well, rhythm to it. Well, these people can help you. Good. I'll look <laughs> forward to that, Vicki. I will definitely connect you with them. All right. So it's time now for us to share my screen so that you all can get the contact information if you would like to learn more about what Kirk is doing or how he might help you. All right. So for those just listening, the website is HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash the seed sower coach.com 
Again, that's https colon forward slash forward slash theseedsower.com. And he's on Facebook by his name, thank gosh, <laughs> Kirk McCarley, Kirk.McCarley. And LinkedIn is Kirk-McCarley-1BBB, A950. But if you just search Kirk McCarley, you'll find him, I'm sure. Now let Kirk talk to you a little bit about what he has on his websites and um, how you can get in touch with him. So take it away. On my website at the Seed Sower Coach, you'll find information about my coaching business, what I aim to do, what my approach is, some background information, and then a blog or two, actually about 97 <laughs> blogs. And as I was as, as I was talking with Vicki earlier, I'm trying to figure out what to do with those now. So that's my website. My Facebook site is uh, under my business name there. It goes into a little bit more detail and also has some of the blogs that are listed there, talks more about my coaching business. LinkedIn has become a great mechanism for me in terms of connection. My blogs are also posted there. I have more information about myself, contact info, how to get a hold of me, and some testimonials from some of the clients that I've had the privilege of getting to work with and have hope, hopefully helped them better navigate their life or career journeys along the way. Awesome. So thank you so much for being such an interesting guest and sharing about your life. So many good tips and information about what you're doing and how you can help other people with that. Um, it's been such a pleasure. I enjoyed it and I definitely will send you that information. As always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.